Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, starting with Michael R. Fletcher. That's uh, me. I am him, apparently, I think. <laughs> Along Great. with Rob Hayes. Hello, I'm Rob Hayes. And Dirk Ashton. That's me. And today's episode will be all about dialogue. So we had some, some great dialogue just to start that episode off, Ben. Um, <laughs> perhaps we could uh, begin with the discussion of the biggest mistakes that we see in dialogue, both by other authors and by ourselves, that we try to avoid. Who wants to kick perfect off? Syn- perfect syntax and complete sentences. Interesting. Can you unpack that a bit? A lot of. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing um, it right now. And point. Uh, uh, people do say um and uh, right? People do interrupt themselves. People do not speak in ex- perfect grammar. It all depends. And, and a lot of what I see with early uh, authors that send me pieces um, is that they write dialogue that's too correct. Um, now, of course, this depends. Are you writing um, you know, medieval-style um, epic fantasy, what kind of characters do you have, even if it's modern, um, how the hard part is getting into these characters, you need to kind of become the character and speak like the character. Um, And when people are having a dialogue back and forth, are they arguing? Um, People use different words and speak in different ways, uh, depending on how they're talking um, and what they're talking about. And that can be one of the hardest things the, the dialogue can be one of the absolute hardest things to do when it comes to writing. And um, sometimes it comes off as stilted. Um, I mean, I've worked for many years on dialogue, and yet still sometimes I get criticized on my dialogue. 
whereas other people will talk about how much they love the dialogue. You just never know um, what readers are going to do. Yeah, it's very subjective, but you have to do what you think works for you and works works for the characters. Did I unpack that enough? Yeah, if if I'm allowed to just pack one little bit of that back in. Um, <laughs> with the regards to uh, realism and stuff, I think that it is absolutely important. Thanks for miming the packing actions. <laughs> um, it is absolutely important to consider that, yeah, you probably will have a bit of unrealisticness. Oh, the dog's looking at me now. Hello, Beagle. Um, for people who are just listening, Rob has a his doggo on his lap. Um, so if you think we're all distracted, then that's that's why. But yeah, <laughs> with, I with regards, the episode with the Beagle. Exactly. Um, yeah, with regards to like realistic dialogue with ums and ahs and likes and you know lost trains of thoughts and everything like that. Um, I'm personally sort of of the mindset that like it's good to have that occasionally, but at the same time. I don't think the story dialogue should necessarily be realistic. I think it should be entertaining. And if that means that they speak in ways that no one would actually speak in real life, but it feels natural for the story, then I'm a big fan of that. So yeah, just wanted to point out. That I, I think yeah, I totally agree. have certain characters doing it regularly um, because then, then it becomes uh, a character tick basically, yes. um, which can help to provide characterization as well. But yeah, you don't want every single character starting off every single sentence with, um, uh, <laughs> um, or trailing off because they've you know, lost their train of thought. Also uh, a dog. But yeah, certainly occasionally from time to time. Another, another mistake that I, that I see, and you know, again, this can be a taste thing and it's hard. Uh, it's just like the ums and ahs and interruptions and errs and pauses um, is, uh, is dialects. Um, a lot of people try to write out every word like it would be spoken by someone who's speaking Scottish, right? Um, and quite often it can be almost unreadable. Uh, so what, what I did with some of the characters that are like that is I, 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 I have a syntax, a sentence structure that they use like a woman with a, with a Russian accent. There are certain things that, words that Russians leave out of English um, when they speak. So I do a little bit of that, but I don't try to like inflect in every word uh, the, uh, the, the accent. Um, I'll, I'll throw a little thing here and there, a Russian word or, or, or something. Um, and the same with, with a character who has uh, supposedly a very heavy spot Scottish accent. Um, but I don't write it, all of it, like it's a very heavy Scottish accent. Um, and I do see a lot of new authors do that way too much, either that or they don't do it at all. And this person speaks with a Russian accent, but it reads just like English. Um, yeah. It, it's hard to strike that balance. I think it comes again back to the idea of like, sort of balancing between realism and entertainment and just having like a, a, a taste and a bit of a hint of that. And then readers' minds will sort of fill in the rest. Like, I think, Rob, you may have done this in one of your books or it might've been another book I read. Um, but like, you know, if you tell readers that the character has a certain accent and then you just occasionally throw in that little bit of inflection or different dialect, readers are going to yeah. do the rest of the job in their minds yeah. and they will Absolutely. feel the accent. Um, 
I, 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 I am full on guilty of uh, what Dirk was saying as well, though. Um, in my, my debut uh, trilogy, uh, The Ties That Bind, uh, I have characters speaking in what's called the Wilds drawl, and uh, they miss <laughs> out letters, they miss out words, there's, there's all sorts, and I did it for every single bit of dialogue. And I've tried <laughs> reading through it, actually reading through it myself, and it's impossible. <laughs> wow. And you know Cockney as well, so that's saying something. Yeah, um, it was, yeah, I, I was full on guilty of that, but I was a new author at the time. I was, you know, it was my, my first, my first trilogy. So, yeah. Um, but I'd say what, one of the pet peeves I have when it comes to dialogue is, is things like, um, when a character is listening in on somebody else. So quite often you find it with like stuff like thief books and stuff where mm. characters sneaking around and they'll hear a conversation but it's like the conversation starts when they start listening in. Yes. <laughs> it drives me insane because that's not the way it works. When you no. listen to a conversation, if you sneak into a room and listen into a conversation, chances are you're going to hear part of that conversation, not the whole thing. So, mm. it, it and they're probably not going to be. Sort of, the, the conversation isn't starting for that character. No. They are intruding upon it. And they're probably not going to be like. Oh yeah, so it's 9pm, let's talk about our evil plan to uh, blow up the White House with our nuclear bomb, just in case anyone else is nearby. Let's go through everything and talk about exactly. details that we already know, but will be useful for people listening to. But you have to temper that also with the fact that there is information that needs to come across for the story. Yes. Um, so the characters you know, may have to talk about this evil plan, um, but you know, they probably shouldn't just start detailing everything about the evil plan that the good guy needs to know exactly mike um what are some uh, common mistakes that you see people make with dialogue i have rules for dialogue long dialogue bad <laughs> people don't usually speak in paragraphs uh, especially if you're having a conversation if you want banter paragraphs bad uh eight books i don't think i've ever written an entire paragraph of dialogue uh, my general rule is you almost never get more than three sentences, uh, four tops. But if you, have, if you write three sentences of dialogue, look at them. Can you delete one without actually changing anything? If you can, cut it. Now you've got two sentences. Can you delete one of those without changing it? If you can, cut the fucker. So that is how basically if you want banter and fast dialogue, cut the fluff. People blurt out shit. I don't give a, I don't care about realism. That's not what I'm writing for. I'm writing for entertainment. And if you want banter, it's got to be a fast back and forth, people cutting each other off. Uh, you know, and that happens. You write fast, you'll get that fast feel. Mm -hmm. um, four sentences in a row of one person speaking. You only get that in a lecture or if you're watching a podcast. There's a point where a dialogue becomes a monologue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. Well, point. And, yeah, uh, I have the same rule with monologue. Monologue isn't a conversation. It's mm. unless you mean to do a monologue, and I've read which is fine too. Terrific monologues. Yeah. Or, a monologue. Or it's a lecture. It's a class. Um, I am guilty of incredibly long discuss, incredibly long like lessons, um, in uh, in my books. Um, but that's kind of part of what the books are about. There are these older characters who simply tell these younger characters about things. Um, 
And I, you know, I also, I try to balance that with sprinkling stuff through, but some things are just, it makes sense to me, at least in the context that somebody needs to explain something. Um, so I'll do that. Now, the, the, the hardest thing for me, especially with the large um, ensemble cast that I have of characters from all different time frames and have taken on the characteristics of basic different cultures all over the world is keeping is 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 finding that style that they speak in are they very proper british english you know they she's gonna they're gonna speak uh very differently from a 17 year old girl from toledo ohio right um or woman uh, depending on where that break is in age between girls and women, I know um, exactly these days. But um, so not only that, and, and then keep that, find what that is and then keep that consistent to the point where I try characters speaking where it doesn't say he says, she says, and I can put five characters in there. And if I can just by the way that this sentence is written, I can tell which character is speaking. Um, then I think I've done a decent job. If you can't, if it's all interchangeable, which I've seen, that's a mistake that I've seen where any character could have said any of these things, right, in this same way. They all need to have their own personality to a certain extent, and that can be very difficult to do. With mine, it was even harder for me because I have, I, I, I write in present tense kind of omniscient. Um, and so when I'm with a certain character in a closer kind of third person, I also will, and if I'm with their thoughts, I also will structure the prose based on that character. So there are ways that the story is being told outside of the dialogue that can shift slightly with each character. Now, a master at this, if you guys want to study something, uh, this kind of thing is M.R. Carey, Mike Carey, with Girl, of, uh, Girl with All the Gifts, uh, Boy on the Bridge, um, uh, the Books of Coley, um, uh, any of the books that he's written uh, in the last five years. He is a master of voice. It is unbelievable what he's able to do when he goes to a different character. It's almost like it's written, it's almost like it's uh, uh, written by a different author. He's able to, and yet it's not jarring. Um, and I try to do that kind of thing. And I, you know, whereas he's like, I'm, I'm not here. Um, when it comes to accomplishing it, so those think, kinds of things. You have to take into account that it, it also quite often depends on the, the the type, the genre of story you're telling. If you are telling a sort of classical mm -hmm. epic fantasy, you know, a, a lot of the things we've talked about, you can't just sort of chuck out the window. They will talk in long sentences, you know, long paragraphs. They will basically monologue each other. It's a hallmark of the genre. Mm -hmm. Complete um, sentences with much more proper grammar. Exactly. Um, right. If you're sort of including a lot more of what you see in the, the modern style of fantasy, which is often termed grimdark just because it's modern. Um, don't get me started on that one. Uh, 
they will have a lot of the, the sort of things we have definitely been talking about. You know, they will talk in stilted sentences or, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot of banter, which you don't get so much in some of the classical stuff. Um, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Michael J. Sullivan, um, hugely, hugely popular, epic, kind of classic style, epic fantasy, uses very modern dialogue very modern um and he gets away with it i mean i've seen some people complain they don't like modern style dialogue <clears throat> in, in this more medieval world style um with you know elves and whatever um kind of fantasy but he does it in such a way that it works and it makes it it's fun um and obviously it's worked for him I mean, he is, I mean, he is unbelievably successful. Nobody's ever heard of Michael J. Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people still haven't, but he sells as many books as, as the biggest, oh, a yeah. lot of the biggest, biggest fantasy writers, traditionally published fantasy writers out there. And it's just... <clears throat> there's, I think there's, there's example, different levels. If anybody wants to check out an example of using modern dialogue, in more classic epic epic fantasy, his his are a really really good one to look at. Is it, I think it's. Is it, I'm guessing it's probably the more sort of modern style of dialogue rather than modern dialogue. You're not going to have characters saying "cool." <clears throat> well, yeah, dude, let's go steal some might. swords. You actually you actually might, but no, yeah. As far as <laughs> as far as the, it's a more modern style dialogue, but they do sometimes use some more modern vernacular. <clears throat> in their in their books rob don't you remember that scene where one of the characters pulls out an iphone so they can maps their way to the fortress that they're trying to travel to <laughs> we're gonna no. get away to mount doom boys <laughs> hang on a minute google maps has got me yeah. oh it says if we take the eagles it's only half an hour or walking it says three years which one should we pick bastard golems trying to lead us the wrong way see <laughs> um <Like> gps <laughs> We should pause quickly because I've realized we've totally forgotten to do the featured book segment in the last two episodes we've recorded. Um, I think, Rob, you're up. Um, if you want to... Uh, oh, we lost, you, we've lost Jed. I'm still here. Can okay. you not hear me? We lost you. We can hear you, but we can't see you. My video okay, went. Well, I think I pressed I'll, the I'll thing. pick a book that I have go. Go, nearby. Go. And say, uh, there you go. Hey, I love that book. I love Blade this rules. book. I, I love this book so much. Uh, this, this is The Ember Blade by Chris Wooding, um, which not enough people have read. It's absolutely fantastic. And funnily enough, uh, it fits. Because uh, this is a book uh, which is, has a very sort of classical epic fantasy feel to it. It has the, the structure and the, the characters of a classical um, fantasy. And yet it also takes so many lessons from the more modern style of fantasy and blends them together so perfectly. Best of both worlds. Amazing. Brilliant. And not enough people have read it. So The Ember Blade by Chris Wooding, which is book one of the, I can never remember what the series is called, Dark Water, I think, trilogy or something. Yeah, Dark Water Legacy, I think. That's, That's a big book. It's so good. Rob and I talked about this a bit on a podcast we did a while ago. And yeah, it's just... Oh, it's it yeah it just does that thing that 
I think a good analogy is like how Batman Begins sort of like did everything that you want from a Batman movie, but in like a modern way, the Ember Blade does that for a lot of the Tolkien stuff. Like it's steeped in those kind of, yeah, the, the, the tropes of party of adventurers, like going through these haunted places and trying to, you know, get to this destination. But it does it with you like- literally have a Moria thing. section. Literally, yeah. They're literally in like this haunted castle. It's, it's, it's not Moria. Moria. Yeah. It's, I love it. It's amazing. If you check I mean, out, to be really honest, I'm a massive Chris Wooding fanboy anyway, so... You've got to get on the podcast sometime. That would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to. Mm. Um, yes, continuing with our discussion on dialogue. We've only got a few minutes left of this recording, but perhaps we could each share, um, like, the one thing that we... that made, like, the biggest change for us in terms of how we write our dialogue. So, like, the one thing that sort of, you know, was really useful for us... Um, in terms of, yeah, like just changing our understanding of dialogue. For me personally, it was probably subtext and realizing that my favorite dialogue scenes were usually the ones where the characters were talking about these things, but that wasn't really what they were talking about. So you might have two characters talking about, I don't know, like some weather thing that's going on. This is probably a very cliched example, talking about some weather thing that's going on, but really they're talking about like the trauma that one of the characters experienced as a result of their childhood or something like that and it just goes back to that whole idea of showing and not telling you even though dialogue is a very telling thing because it allows you to dig deeper into what's actually going on there and i think as a reader it feels very rewarding to realize what they're actually talking about and to peel back those layers yourself yeah the uh i think for me um choose a television series that you absolutely love and pay very close attention to how they do it. And that's, you know, my background, of course, I, I, I lean that way because my background is, is screenwriting. Um, and it is amazing what you can learn from uh, that kind of thing. And very often shows that have been out, the scripts are available um, online, uh, even for episodes. So try to find those. You can do the same thing with a, with, with a movie, but TV tends to, these days, they're written so well and they have longer story arcs like books. Uh, so uh, it might be a little bit better, but I would say, and pay very close attention to how that's written. Um, as uh, I know that that background has, has helped me a lot and I think it could help, help other folks. <laughs> See, funnily enough, my point was going to be, uh, I think one of my biggest sort of like influences on, on dialogue is um, Firefly, funnily enough, TV yeah. series, because yeah. uh, I learned so much, um, not just from Firefly, actually, from Joss Whedon, um, you know, Firefly, Buffy, Angel, all of those, I learned so much yeah. about dialogue and how people, uh, how characters can talk and sound like real people, but still deliver the things that they need to deliver mm -hmm. um, and get so much character across. And, you know, there's, there's, certain, there's certain bits which always sort of like stick with me. And it's, it's things like, you know, uh, Mal Reynolds saying like, do you want to run this ship? And Jane saying, yes. And then Mal just being completely flustered and going, oh, well, you can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's genius. It's this amazing bit of dialogue that just it encapsulates the character so well, and it 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 adds that sort of like genuine feel of dialogue of this character doesn't know what to say. He's flustered. 
and it's brilliant. And yeah, so pretty much what Dirk said, uh, I just named a TV series. <laughs> I like it. Mike? Yeah, uh, for me, my favorites, uh, two recent things I'm really enjoying is interruptions and people literally just ignoring each other, uh, asking questions, and the other characters are kind of like, don't want to talk about that <laughs> or have something else on their mind and just completely ignoring them. Characters talking over each other. You have two people and they're both trying to have their own conversation. Mm -hmm. And so you get both sides of a conversation where neither they're talking at each other because people do that a lot uh, rather than with or to each other. Um, and I, I, I am a fan of banter. Um, and yeah, that and chop your fucking dialogue down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a really fantastic episode. Um, as with the last episode, I think it would be cool if you are listening or watching to this, you can let us know what is a particularly good bit of uh, art, whether that's in books or in movies or in TV series that you think really nailed the dialogue. Um, let us know why and what that is and we'll hopefully do our best to respond. Um, so thank you everyone for listening or watching and we will see you next time. Bye everybody. Thanks everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Wizards, Warriors and Words. We hope you learned something useful. We love hearing from our listeners. Our email is wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, which you can also find in the show notes. I personally read and respond to every email, so feel free to let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd also love to hear your questions. Send in a question via that email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, and we might even answer it on the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps more people discover the show. Wizards, Warriors and Words is jointly hosted by Dirk Ashton, Michael R. Fletcher, Rob J. Hayes and Jed Hearn. Our music comes from Michael R. Fletcher and our artwork is by Felix Ortiz. Thank you again for listening. Now go and write extraordinary stories. We'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.